0: beautiful friends. Welcome to the Savor Podcast. We're so excited for you to join us today as we dive into the goodness of God together. Our hope is for you to be encouraged, challenged, and entertained as you listen to hosts Stacy and Suzanne along with special guests as they have honest and real conversations about how to savor God's word as they grow in their relationship with Christ. We hope you'll encourage a friend or two to listen with you so you can keep the conversations going. We're all about community here. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to another episode of The Saver Podcast. What are we talking about today, Stacy?
1: Well, I think we're going into um, part two of Living on a Prayer. Do you hear Bon Jovi in your head? Yes,
0: I do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Living on a Prayer. I love that name because it does make me think of that song and it makes it, makes it seem fun. I mean, and, it is fun, but you know.
1: And it totally dates us, doesn't yeah. it?
0: <laughs> well, we've already told everyone how old we are in the first episode.
1: Did we really? Yeah. No way.
0: Yeah, we did. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we can't, I can't exactly hide it. You know, when you get older, it's like with being pregnant at some point, you can't hide it anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, speak for yourself. I work really hard to hide it. I'm just kidding. I'm embracing it.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, good. We're so exciting to be back. It feels like it's been a while, but I guess it hasn't, but it feels like it for some reason. Uh, but before we get started today, I was thinking it would be cool if we did a uh, goal check-in, because that's what we started this year with on Saver. So how what were your goals, and h- how are they going?
1: Um, let me think. What were my goals? What were they? Oh, yes. I think one of my goals was to grow in intimacy with God. And um, as I started pressing into that goal— The Lord reminded me that maybe I should also try to grow intimacy with my husband. Um, Mm -hmm. Don't worry, girls. This is a G-rated podcast. We're not going to (laughs) go in detail.
0: Are you sure? (laughs) I mean, intimacy does not equate to sex. You're right. So your mind didn't have to go there, Stacey. But why don't you tell us the the other part of this (laughs) challenge?
1: That's right. (laughs) No, but it's true. And I think that that is something that I've struggled with when I think about because my presupposition is intimacy sex, and mm-hmm. that is so not true. we kind all. of taught
0: that, especially as women, when you're the age we are, yes. right? Like hopefully they're not learning that anymore. Yes. Yeah.
1: And so that's one of the things that God has been reorienting my thoughts about and changing the thought process. Because as I started thinking about, well, how do I grow in intimacy with God? What does that look like? Um, But he did direct me that one of the ways that God speaks to us and one of the metaphors he uses is um, Christ and his bride. And the church is the bride of Christ. And so that marriage relationship. And so one of the Best ways that I can have that intimacy and increase that is by increasing my relationship with my husband. And I think you said, um, I've heard you say something about the best blueprint for how we're doing is uh, our
0: spouse. I heard that one day, like on a podcast. I wish I could tell you what it was, but it was this couple who does ministry for marriage. And one of them said, Your spouse is a blueprint for your growth. And I thought, Oh, I mean, I have never felt more convicted. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I yeah. love that saying now. I'm not, Yeah. you know, I haven't started to work on my blueprint yet, but yes, I love that saying.
1: Yeah. So long story short, um, I began kind of then looking at what is it— what would it look like to have better intimacy in my marriage? And so I started reading articles, and I found one that had some really good insight and just a couple of things that I kind of learned that I'm still working on. So to answer the question, I'm working on the goal, and I think God's given me opportunity to grow in that. Um, But one of the things one of the articles said was the first thing you need to do to improve intimacy in your marriage is pinpoint a pain point in your marriage or a problem or a stressor and then recognize your fault in it Um, Mm. instead of always looking outside to who caused that problem. And then a Ask for forgiveness for it, maybe to your spouse, maybe not, because maybe your spouse doesn't know it's a pain point. Maybe it's an internal pain point that you're holding on to, and that you process that with the Lord and ask for forgiveness. And that not only will help open up the door of deeper intimacy with my husband, but also my relationship with the Lord, especially if it's a personal pain point, because I think as women, We don't always share every frustration that we have. And so sometimes we internalize those things. And so just recognizing my faults. And then the other part of it was... um, go have an adventure together or do something you've never done before. And so Chris and I actually just got back a couple of weeks ago from a very adventurous trip together. And there were only two times on the trip I thought I was going to die. So it was awesome. (laughs) Every day for about eight days, we were doing things we'd never done before, seeing things we'd never seen before. And it was amazing. And it was really great. So that was a really sweet gift that the Lord gave me.
0: That's awesome. I love that. Well, my um, goal, I'm obviously not doing super great on it since you had to remind me what it was a minute ago, but I guess it was to quit cussing. Well, no. As much. Yeah. Just don't cuss as much. Right. And I would actually say that I'm probably, without even um, being intentional, I've gotten much better about it.
1: I would say that I've probably cussed more when we've talked in the last three months than you have.
0: See? I, you're taking on my bad habits and I'm getting rid of them. Um, I don't yeah. want them though, but you're so, right. I have. Yeah. Have so, you noticed that, that
1: I have probably no, cussed
0: more? Probably because I just, I'm used to it. I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to
1: tell my husband for a second. He cussed in front of my son's girlfriend the other day. I'm oh, like, you can't do
0: that. I think I've, playing pickleball with your son, I think I've cussed. Maybe his girlfriend was there too. I can't remember, but I forget that I'm playing with kids and I'll be like, oh mm." yeah. So anyway, still working on that one, but I'm making progress. There you go. Well,
1: good. That's good. Well, we'd love to hear what your goals are and how you guys are doing. And if you have any tips on, um, meeting your goals, are there any things that you're doing? Are there reminders that you have that are helping you or are you enforcing negative consequences
0: on yourself? If you're not, doing anything no no yeah. i think that i just feel more convicted when i do it knowing that i don't want to do it and yeah. so i think that's probably one reason that i have probably been doing it less even not not intentionally thinking yeah. about it
1: that's it that's good and i'm scrolling instagram that's what i'm doing to get resources on how to grow in intimacy with god so oh, if you guys bad. have any great resources on that um
0: I think today will be a great resource for you.
1: Oh, good. (laughs) Yes, you're probably right. It will be. That's awesome. Well, good. Well, we're going to get right into part two on prayer. And so um, one of the things that we caught a lot of feedback from was that you guys like to ask questions and have us answer those questions. So um, the first question we're going to get into today is a really um, common question, There is a verse, I think it's John 14, 14, that talks about anything you ask in my name will be given to you. And I think we really love that verse because it sounds really good, doesn't it? I mean, I could go for a cheeseburger and fries and chocolate milkshake right now. So if I pray in Jesus' name, do you think that I would get a chocolate shake and cheeseburger?
0: I mean, I can't say for sure, actually, you know, because God decides what prayers He answers um, as far as when we pray, you know, that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, um, Suzanne, why don't you read that verse to us, maybe in context, a couple of verses around it, or just that verse, and then let's just get into it and talk about what, what's going on in John chapter 14.
0: Okay, actually, if it's okay, I'll read um, John fourteen fourteen, and then also read a little bit of John 15, because it kind of says uh, a little bit of the same thing. So in John fourteen fourteen, 14, um, we see... Um, that Jesus is talking and he says uh, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father 14.14 is you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it um, and then in John 15.7 uh, I'm just going to read 7 for right now it says if you remain in me and my words remain in you ask whatever you wish and it will be given you this is my to my Father's glory so I think that, you know, when we talk about um, the Bible, that w- the phrase people always say is context is king, right? And, yes. and so it is very true. I think um, this verse was something that I used to say all the time um, because we like to cherry pick verses, meaning I like to just go in here and read John 14, 14. You ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, great. Like you said, I'm going to pray that I get this job in Jesus' name.
1: So then my expectation
0: is to get it. And that's not saying that we should not be expectant for God to move on things that we pray. But in the context of what's going on here in Scripture is that Jesus is getting ready to to leave his disciples, right? He's getting ready to be arrested and crucified and all of those things. And then even when he resurrects, he knows that he will—he tells them he's going to leave and Mm -hmm. leave his helper, the Holy Spirit. So in, in these verses, he's trying to, I think, comfort um, his disciples give reassurance to them that the work that they've been doing will continue, even though Jesus won't be present. And so they even say, "Hey, well, let me see the Father and then I'll know. And And Jesus goes on to explain to them in these verses that um, Jesus's presence equates to present. God's presence Mm. with them. So just kind of reassuring, hey, what we've been doing is what God's been asking us to do. And so I think He's trying in this sense to show them that they will be empowered even in His physical absence um, to continue to do the work. And specifically, I think they're also talking about miracles that we see a lot in Acts. Um, And so saying, in my name— these miracles will happen, and these signs and wonders will happen in my name, meaning that God gets the glory. God gets the credit, not the disciples. And so then I think we lose some of that because so many times when we're doing ministry, I think we start to depend on ourselves, yeah. and that's a scary—and we should be scared about that, like the disciples, I'm assuming, they may have been at this point.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and so it's it's talking about that. Um, and then in His will. Mm. Right. And that to me is the kicker. That's the hard part for us to grasp because we want it to say whatever you pray, you're going to get. That's That's what we want it to say, but that's not exactly what it means.
1: Yeah. And I think we have a great example. We're recording this right before we enter into Holy Week, Mm -hmm. which is the the week that we celebrate. That's the week before Resurrection Sunday. Um, And I think we have a great example of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Mm. he says, Abba, Father, anything is possible for you. Mm. Jesus is sitting there talking to his dad. And he says, anything is possible for you. And if it is your will, please let this cup pass before me but not my will, your will be done. And there's a beautiful Hillary Scott song, and it's these Mm. three words, thy will be done, or these four words, I don't know, I can't count, but it's thy will be done. We'll probably um, add a link to that song in the show notes because it is a beautiful, beautiful song about Mm -hmm. not my will, but the will of God to be done. And that really is the best will Mm. and the perfect will, because my will is all tangled up in other things.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love that song. I forgot about that song, but um, several years ago when I was walking through a really tough season, I think that song had recently come out. I can't remember. But um, it was just, I listened to that song over and over again because I did not understand why I was walking through what I was walking through. And I think that's what, again, we can go back at John 15, And see, this is where he's talking about, I'm the vine, you are the branches, remain in me, and I'll remain in you. And it's this whole picture of abiding, right? And so I think, um, and then he goes on to say after all of that, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. Um, And I think it's in the abiding that our desires become consistent with his desires. That's the place where we can um, yield our will to his, where we see Jesus say, Not my will, but yours be done. Um, But Jesus, that he still asked for what he wanted. Right. Right. And and that's okay. We're not saying don't pray and petition God for things that we truly desire. But it's in um, the abiding that we can begin to yield even when we don't understand.
1: Yeah. It's the same with that verse that, you know, he'll grant you the desires of your heart. Right. Well, the first part of that verse says, the first part says, seek my kingdom and these things will be added to you. Mm -hmm. You know, he will grant you the desires. So it's first seek the kingdom of God. And what happens is then, like you said, our desires get rightly ordered because one of the things that I've been reading a lot lately is, you know, I'm passionate about women believing lies. I do Mm -hmm. not want women to believe lies. Ladies stop believing the lies that the enemy is telling you. Um, And one of the things that I've discovered is so often we blame the enemy for all the lies and he is part of it. He's the initiator of those, but then they get paired with our disordered desires. And this is an example of where my desires may be out of order and I don't know that. But when I begin praying and speaking and seeking God's kingdom, then God can reorder my desires. And so maybe the thing I desired, maybe that job that I was desiring so desperately, maybe that was gonna be the downfall of my marriage. Maybe Mm -hmm. that position I was so desperate for was gonna cause the fracture of a relationship with my child. Um, And so I don't know that because my desires are out of order. And so I think that's the kind of heart of what you're saying about this passage is that it's, lining up our heart and our desires with what God's will is.
0: A hundred percent. And I think when you were talking about desires and what are God's desires, I, I there's a verse, I don't know where it is, hopefully you know, but it says that He desires that no man shall perish.
1: Yes, I think it's in First Peter, First or Second Peter.
0: All right. Well, if you don't, if that's not, just Google it, y'all. Um, but we'll anyway. try to add it to the show
1: notes. <laughs> Kelly, um, if you're listening, Kelly, uh, can you get that in the show
0: notes for us? So, you know, if that's God's desire that no man shall perish— then what a how does that change how we pray? How does that change how we pray about our gifting, how we use our gifting, how we mm-hmm. steward our time, how we steward the answered and the unanswered prayers mm-hmm. that God gives us? You know, if you keep reading um, in John 15, I do find it interesting before I get to this part that right before it talks about um, pray in my name and, and it will be given to you, that kind of thing what we're talking about is talking about the pruning. Mm, yes. Right. And it's talking about um, the pruning sometimes is where we really develop that intimacy with God when we're relying on Him through the pruning. At yeah. least that's been my personal experience of pruning. And when I talk about pruning, you know, that can mean hardship. It can mean getting rid of your idols, getting mm-hmm. rid of the dead things, throwing the things that don't give life to you, all of, all of, um, those kind of things, your your wrong desires, maybe mm-hmm. working through that, and that's all pruning. And then there's the abiding in our will. But um, after that, it says, um, it, it goes on to to say not that these things are so that you can remain in His love and have His joy, but also so that the, the disciples. I don't know why I just stuttered, but the disciples, <laughs> um, it says, so that they may produce fruit. Mm-hmm. And prove to be the disciples. Because, again, this is what we're trying to do. He desires that no man should perish. So he needs his people yeah. to show his fruit yes, and prove that they're disciples
1: mm-hmm.
0: of Jesus. Yeah. Right? Because that— helps his desire come to fruition that no man should perish because we're advancing the kingdom. So when you think of even in God's desires, what does this mean?
1: Yeah. And I love that. And I was just actually listening this morning. This is sort of a side note, so we'll say it's for free. Um, (laughs) But the idea of him talking about us... Um, bearing fruit. And in John 15, it says, you know, it's to my father's glory that you Mm -hmm. bear much fruit. That idea of fruit bearing is connected to blessing. So throughout scripture, there's curse and blessing, you know, and I will, he tells Abraham, I will bless you and you will become a blessing. And that's true for us. And that idea of blessing, the Bible project, I was listening to them today and they were talking about that idea of blessing is production of fruit. And so it's a blessing of God, and it's a that bearing that fruit is part of the blessing. And um, I just think that's a beautiful picture to tie into that language, that it's God's desire that we bear that fruit in honor of Him to show His blessing that He has poured out on us abundantly.
0: I love that you said that, because kind of over in the margin of my notes, just for, for myself, not to say, but I noted that the word... Fruit. Um, obviously, it's the same word, but in Scripture, in Luke one forty two, it says, "Blessed is the fruit of her womb," mm. and it's the same word for fruit there, which to me is life. Yeah, right. Yeah. And isn't that the blessing that Jesus came to give us? Absolutely, life. And yeah. so, you know, what are our prayers reflecting, and how we're praying those same prayers that God desires?
1: Yeah, yeah. So. Absolutely. So, you know, praying prayers that produce life and speak life. We say it a lot, um, you know, that we want to speak life into other people. I'm not the author of life. Jesus is the author and perfecter of my faith, and He's mm. the author of life. He's the one who gives life. And so, when I say I want to speak life to people and I want to be a voice of life, there's the song we were listening to last night at Soaking Prayer. I want to speak Jesus, mm. you know, I want to speak that life into other people's lives. And so, if you're listening, listening to us today, the whole reason we're doing this is so you will know the goodness of God. So we can speak life into those areas where you feel like maybe there's been a curse that's put on you. There's a, a taking away of something from you because that's the contrast of the blessing. And so, um, no, to be able to speak that and speak that in prayer and to go before our father in prayer and partner with him and say, we want to be abiding in you so that there can be life and much fruit for the glory of God's name.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And again, I just want to reiterate that this is— what we're saying does not mean that you cannot pray for the desires of your heart if you're unsure they match with God's desires because you don't know His will right now or whatever it is, His will for that situation in Mm -hmm. your life. It um, just—I think we just wanted to clarify what these verses mean because they are so often cherry-picked and people get upset with God. I think, because yes. they're like, well, I'm praying, and you said you'll give me what you want if I say in Jesus' name. Yeah. Right? And so I think it's just—I mean, I pray all the time for things. I want things for my kids, things for um, all kinds of things. And that's, that's good. But I think this helps you understand more when you don't get the answer yeah. you're looking for. In fact, I had somebody message us on social media, and it's, and they said, sometimes—I'm I'm learning that sometimes um, answered prayers are closed doors. Yes. Um, which— when you feel those doors close, it can feel like a disappointment. But like you said, you don't know what's ahead and God does. Yeah. Um, and also just in my own life, things that I, you know, went through or prayed through, you know, I was thinking just the disappointment that I felt in God too, yeah. disappointment. But I have learned that sometimes God's disappointments are leading us to, um, you know, what maybe his divine appointments are for us. That's good. That's so true. That's so true. It's hard, though. The journey is tough. Yeah,
1: no, it is. And when we think about all of this in light of the point um, of John's gospel, John said, I'm writing these things so that you may believe. John's whole point was so that people who hear this will believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And so that's, that's the reason he's writing all mm-hmm. of this to it. And that's our confidence, knowing that. And I love it. That brings us to, um, I think it's First John 5, verses 14 and 15. It says, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know we have the request which we have asked for Him. And again, there's a confidence that He hears us. But I love in Scripture, it tells us that sometimes we don't know how to pray Mm. and the Spirit intercedes with moans and groans. And I think I've always saw that as I'm just at a loss for words. But just possibly, could it be that it's not so much that I'm at a loss for words? Because if y'all know me, that's very unlikely that I'm at a loss for
0: words. <laughs> me too.
1: <laughs> I, I got a lot of them. I can relate to that. Yes. But could it be that the words that are coming out of my mouth are not the words that should be coming out of my mouth? Mm. And the spirit sitting there going, yeah, I know, I know what she just said, but let me tell you what she actually means. Let me translate that for you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just a thought that maybe... Yeah. Um, because I'm, so like to your point, don't not ask God, don't not ask God. But I think what we're trying to say is don't get so caught up in the result at the end. Our confidence is if we have prayed it, And we think that it's in alignment with His will or in accordance with His will, and it's not, then we have confidence that He's heard us, and then we know the Holy Spirit is there interceding, and Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and He's whispering in the Father's ear on our behalf, like, Hey, this is real. Let me
0: translate for you what she really means. I love that. I love that. Even this morning, I thought about that verse because there are things that I have just been praying for and praying for, you know, persevering in prayer for these things. And sometimes like today, I mean, I just don't want to say it all again. I mean, that's true. I just don't feel. And so, you know what? I was like, you know, God, you know my prayer, you know my heart. And I just sung in worship. I mean, luckily no one could hear me, but I just turned on some worship music And I spent that time in worship because God already knows the desires of my heart. Yep. Um, And so I think it can mean all of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's good.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, then I have a question. Another question is, oftentimes in Scripture, they talk about prayer coupled with fasting. What does that look like, and should we fast?
1: Mm, You know I love that question. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, the— Fasting and prayer are coupled together, and I think sometimes we don't talk about fasting that often, or we try to make it easier to um, do than mm-hmm. what I think it's calling us to do in Scripture. I, um, I think God gave me this analogy about fasting a long time ago, and it really helped. So um, when my kids were younger, they loved to play on the iPad. So in the mornings, they would be getting ready for school, and Joshua would be on the bed, and he would be doing a game or something on the iPad. And I would walk in the room as he's on the iPad playing, and I'd say, hey, Joshua, get your shoes on, and I would walk out of the room. Well, 10 minutes later, I would walk back in the room. Guess what Joshua was doing? He was still playing on the iPad. Like... He acknowledged that I spoke to him, but I don't think he ever heard the words coming out of my mouth.
0: I think it's a plan from the enemy that your kids, when they're little, they don't put their shoes on. Do you? Know, I mean, do you, <laughs> yes. there's something about your kids. Do you know how many memes I've seen with like moms yelling, "Get your shoes on!" Like, there's oh. just something like the enemy eye is against shoes. Yeah. I just think footwear is not his thing, and it's, <laughs> I don't know.
1: I don't know either. So, so yeah. So, you know. As a mom, I get frustrated, so I go back in and I grab that iPad away from Joshua and I lay that iPad down and I say, look at me. Give me your eyes right now. Put your shoes on. Now, at that point, Joshua's probably going to put his shoes on, right? But imagine if I walked into that room and Joshua willingly, as a five-year-old kid, laid that iPad down and looked at me and said, Mommy, is there anything you want to say to me this morning? How would you respond to that? It
0: would blow your mind, right? It still would blow my mind. And my son is, is, you know, 15 years old. yeah.
1: Um, And so that idea of that's what I think about with fasting. We have so many distractions in our Mm. life. There are so many physical distractions with our body. I mean, right now my shoulder is in pain and it is a physical distraction for me. Um, Food because we're going to talk about fasting with food mm-hmm. is a distraction. Social media, TV, radio, all of those things are distractions. And God, we know, is constantly speaking, because if he quit speaking, the whole universe would dissolve. But that's a whole nother episode. Um, so I think he's speaking to us, but we have distractions that pop in our head all the time. And so sometimes he's going to grab that iPad and he's going to put it down. But that's not what fasting is. Fasting is me willingly laying that iPad down saying, Father is there anything you want to say to me? And as a mom, when, if Joshua had ever done that, or Emma had ever done that, I would immediately say, Emma, I love you. That's what I want you to know more than anything Mm. else in the world. If you're Mm. willingly coming to me and saying, hey mom, is there anything you want to say to me? Anything you want to speak over me or speak to me? My first reaction to my child would be, yes, I love you. Mm. And that is exactly how the Father responds to us, I think, when it comes to fasting. Mm. That's one of the first things and the most common thing that He speaks to us. But that's the heart behind fasting. I think it's gotten wrapped up asceticism, the denial of self. So um, some people tend to fall. Asceticism is a type of spiritual discipline, and there's some people... Um, who've taken it to extremes? A lot of um, monks there. You can read about. And out you define history. that
0: as a denial of self? Yes,
1: asceticism that's is
0: countercultural. Huh? Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> um, and it is a real spiritual discipline. But some people have taken it to the point where it's unhealthy. Sure, um, but that's where this practice of fasting kind of lies in that area. And I think though there's some there's something real about setting aside a time to deny myself food or deny myself the um, privilege of just kind of zoning out and watching TV or scrolling social media to separate myself from those distractions to draw near to the Lord. And I think there is great benefit in it. Um, So I definitely think fasting is something that we should do. As a matter of fact, you and I were talking earlier, uh, we are in mentorship together, and we've had um, our meetings, and we've talked about prayer. We've spent a whole month kind of talking about it. And a couple of years ago, Katie was in our
0: mentorship, and she said something that really kind of convicted me. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I have practiced fasting, but um, I have often just said, um, you know, I kind of have issues with food. I Can't fast food and, um, and for a while I would fast other things occasionally when I felt like it, you know, or felt prompted to do so, is what I should say instead of felt like it. Um, but she said, um, that scripture says when you fast, not if you fast, mm. and that really kind of just really. Sweetly, I love Katie. She is a beautiful woman of God, and I just felt so convicted. Like a conviction is good. Like when when you're convicted by the Lord, it is a sweet. It's more to me like a. It feels more like a light bulb moment, you know, like a revelation that you're thankful for. That's what that's what it feels like to me. And um, so, do you have the verse there? Yeah, yeah. I do.
1: I do. Let me read it to you guys. Um, It's Matthew chapter six starting in verse 16, and it is um, basically the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, and he goes through the Lord's Prayer, which if you aren't familiar with that, um, go back and listen to part one on this. We go into that a little bit. Um, But then after that, he talks to them about fasting. So he just finishes talking to them about the Lord's Prayer, and then Matthew 6, 16 says, And when you fast... And that's the key right there. Not if you fast. Mm -hmm. The assumption was it was a spiritual discipline that they would put into their lives, and it's connected with prayer. So it says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. And again, verse 17, it's repeated, but when you fast... So when you see that in 16 and 17, that same phrase repeated, that is a stop, 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 pay attention to that. Again, he's saying not if you fast, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And I just think that that's a really beautiful um picture of fasting. And then it goes on actually in Matthew six, it continues. And the next thing is don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth, but lay up, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Don't lay them on earth because if you lay something on top of something, it can get grabbed and stolen. But if you lay them in heaven, in Christ, there's an abiding there that cannot be separated. And so this idea of when you're storing up your treasures in heaven. I wonder, because it's so related to fasting right here, if one of those treasures that we're storing up in heaven is the fasting that we do here on Hmm. earth, because he says, your father who sees in secret will reward you. And so I just wonder if there's not something that is happening that we're going to receive some of that blessing Mm. in heaven For the times that we've fasted on earth, now I have experienced times of fasting here where God has broken through in miraculous ways in my life. I think you have an experience with fasting where God clearly broke through and answered a prayer Mm -hmm. that you had been praying, Um, and so I do think that there is a connection with that. So. The other thing I I think about with fasting is the disciples tried to cast out some demons and they came back and they said, why couldn't we do it? We were doing what you said. And Jesus said, oh, this one can only be done with fasting and Mm. prayer, that there's an idea about connecting those two. And so, you know, um, I think it depends on where you are in your relationship with God and and. There are a lot of factors that go into it, but sometimes it's going to be you're called to fast for a specific thing. And then sometimes, like myself, I have to incorporate the practice of fasting almost weekly in my life. Mm -hmm. But I've found that people who struggle with pride, and I know we all struggle with it, but some people it can become a stronghold in Mm -hmm. their life. And the way you break that stronghold of pride, it's connected to fasting. People who really, really fight against pride, center about themselves, fasting humbles us and breaks us down in a way that removes that pride. And so for me, it's something I do as a part of my normal, natural rhythm in my relationship with God. But there also have been seasons where I have fasted for a specific season or a specific purpose. Um, Do you want to share just a tip? You don't have to tell us the details, but of that experience where I think it was a week or so that you did some fasting and
0: Oh, no, I fasted for a while because this was like in mentorship and I was fasting um, through Christmas. So I know f- f- mentorship and and I think this was probably like in October or November. And so it was for like a good month and a half. And not I fasted for a month and a half, but I fasted weekly for, for a month and a half. Oh, sorry, I'm losing my headphones. Hold on. I'm getting excited <laughs> about this, y'all. <laughs> um, but also I felt very challenged when Katie said that because scripture in Scripture, when they talk about fasting, at least all the types that I've read about it, it's always about food. Yeah. Um, and I know we can talk, and we'll talk about that. I'm sure that, that we can fast other things. Maybe you yeah. even already said that. Um, but I felt convicted that I keep saying I can't fast food, but I can fast food. Yeah. Uh, so it's always almost like an excuse for me because I have had issues with food in the past, and I didn't mm-hmm. think it was a healthy choice. And there was a time that that was true. So anyway, I did that, and um, I did really try to go into it more biblically. Now I didn't know the story about the demons and said this one needs fasting. I love that because yeah. that may increase my faith for fasting. Yeah, I'll look that up and because add that in for the show me, notes. I felt like we were always taught when you really want something, you fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really think. And I did experience that. But I do think that fasting is more about, like you said, the intimacy that we can develop with Christ. And I think this is, it's again, this idea of abiding, deeply abiding. Yeah. Um. Because even if I didn't get that prayer answered, right, it was actually the decision that I made. I was fasting for this, but my decision to fast was so that I could handle it if it didn't happen. Yeah. And that was my decision to fast because, honestly— you know, forgive me, Lord. I didn't believe that it would happen. Yeah. And He so, does forgive
1: that, don't you? Yeah. That, forgive and, my unbelief. And, He's like,
0: okay. <laughs> and that He will w- work despite my yeah. disbelief. Yeah. Um, I love that. So, so yeah, that, so that was good for me. And, and I really learned a lot through that process.
1: Yeah. I want to touch just a second on what you talked about, like fasting. So, so you're Mm -hmm. listening to us, you know, maybe talk about this and you're like, okay, well, let's talk about the nitty gritty details of fasting. Maybe you're a woman who does have an unhealthy relationship Mm -hmm. with food because there are, Lots of women who fall in that category, and you kind of alluded to Mm -hmm. this, that you always used an excuse, well, I just, you know, I've struggled with that, so I really can't fast food. That's not good for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I do think that there are some women who have an unhealthy relationship with food, whether it's a full-blown eating disorder or whether it's just some unhealthy Um, understandings about food. And in that case, I would say maybe fasting food is not the best for you. But for a lot of us, I think fasting food is what what we need to try to do. Um, but don't feel guilty about it. Like that's a thing you take to the Lord and you take to someone else who you know hears from the Lord and ask them, can you pray about this for me? And if you're a woman who has an unhealthy relationship with food or you struggle with an eating disorder, I encourage you seek out help for that with accountability and prayer and maybe even once you get to a place where you are healthier in that, in your relationship with food, and you think that you want to try fasting food, then put in some helpful parameters where you have someone hold you accountable and someone help you break that fast. Like, okay, now we're going to go eat a big meal together. Because even um, when I first started fasting on a regular basis, it became very legalistic for me, mm-hmm. and it became a way to lose weight. Yeah, and I'm not someone who's had an unhealthy relationship with food in the past, like that would cause me to have an eating disorder, but it still became a scale thing for me. I'd get on the scale the day after I fasted and be like, ooh, yay, that's great. I feel good about that. And so the Lord told me, you've got to stop doing this. So I had to take that off of my plate for about Mm -hmm. a year until the Lord could heal up some things inside of me. And then I could go back into that practice of fasting. Um, And then there have been other times when I have not eaten food all day. And in my mind, I was fasting. And I remember one afternoon, i had gotten home from work and I was so hungry. And all day at work, I had not done any work, really, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because there are days when I come to work and I don't actually work. (laughs) I just am not good with my time. And I had not been pressing into the Lord that day. And I was so hungry. And I just felt like the Lord said to me, all you did today was starve yourself. Go eat. Like, what are you doing?
0: You, You
1: just made yourself hungry today. You didn't... You just didn't have the right heart and motive. You did it legalistically because it was Thursday, and Thursdays are the day you fast. And come on, you just starved yourself because there are times in Scripture where He says fasting's not what I want from you because it's it's about the heart and the motive. And so I went in and ate a piece of pizza yeah. and said, "I'll try again another day, Lord." And so I do think um, that those are some thoughts. I have had people ask me like, "Well, how do you fast? Like, what's a practical fast mm-hmm. for me?" I'm not saying this is for everybody, but for me, what I typically have done is I'll eat dinner with my family in the evening, say six or seven o'clock at night. And then I won't eat again. I won't break my fast until the next night at dinner. So maybe it's not technically a 24 hour fast for me. I didn't always start that way. Sometimes I would just fast lunch. You could do a single meal. But I do think there's something about denying ourselves that natural physical urge of being hungry and then pressing into the Lord through that. And that feeds our spirit. Um, So those are just some thoughts about it.
0: Yeah, I think that's great. I love the idea of fasting from dinner to dinner, especially if you have family or. You yeah. know, those kind of things, because you don't want to miss out. On, and God doesn't want you to miss out on that yeah. family time, probably. Um, but yeah, I, I think the motive of your heart in fasting is super, super important. And yeah. if you can't get that right, or you're struggling to get that right, then don't try to fast yet.
1: Yes, I totally agree. Or at least don't fast food. Um, or
0: or like you said, there was a great tip. Fast one meal or fast yeah. coffee. for. The, I mean, I'd rather fast food Me all day too. than fast coffee. But I'm just saying like if, if for you, if you're able to fast yeah. your coffee or tea that day, like try it, practice it. This is a yeah. spiritual discipline, which also is a practice, a spiritual yeah. practice.
1: And I just need to be honest with you ladies. Um, when I fast, I do not fast coffee. I drink coffee and water. I do Mm -hmm. try to limit my coffee intake on that day. And uh, we have a ton of resources about fasting. And all these doctors will tell you, you know, coffee's a stimulant. You shouldn't drink it. Y'all, I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. I love my coffee. Um, I've only fasted coffee once in my life. And it was when I did a week long fast. And um, God was miraculous. He intervened in a miraculous way. And but I sure went right back to my
0: college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, if you have questions, specific questions about fasting or anything like that, just, just let us know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um,
1: okay, so I have a question for you. Okay. Um, I have heard the term contemplative prayer. Oftentimes I'm confused by this term and the meaning of it. Can you please explain the heart behind contemplative prayer?
0: Oh, I love this question, and we're going to have to, I think, really sit here for a minute because this has um, become—what do they call it when they take one word that's good and uh, make—linguistic theft. Oh, yes. I I don't know. I think Elisa Childers or somebody uses that word, but linguistic theft. So contemplative contemplative prayer, in my mind— In my mind, what contemplative prayer means is just where we kind of retreat to a quiet, still place um, to be with God, It it is to me. And I think when I think of um, that, too, I think more of where I'm doing less talking. I'm still talking, but I'm doing—I'm trying to do less and be very intentional about trying to hear the still, small voice, you know— in um, Kings, when it talks about—in First Kings, when it talks, it's—I have it here. Um, First Kings 19, 12, when God spoke to Elijah, He talks about the gentle whisper. Yes. And the, some of it is, says the still, small voice. And so sometimes we have to quiet down. Like you and I say, we are, you know, like to talk a lot. So for me, that's more important to try to quiet, to hear God's voice. Um, but— I do think that, uh, and, and it has its origins in Christianity. Uh, what is the word? Levina Decto? No, that's Levina. <laughs> e, divina. Yes, which is basically reading, <laughs> reading Scripture. Reading Scripture out loud. Or, yes, in
1: a prayerful manner. Right, yes, right. Yes. Which
0: is very, that yeah. you should do that. That's that's great. Um, I do think, uh, and in Psalms, we see a lot about like meditate on the Word and, and, and things like that. But even that word "meditate" doesn't actually translate to what we think, yeah. right? It like yeah. means ponder,
1: yeah, I something, so.
0: something similar like that. But some of these words again have different cultural meanings
1: mm-hmm. than
0: we think about today. Yeah. than to today. Um, Has
1: the word been hijacked? The, the linguistic theft. So explain that a little bit more to us. So if you're reading, you know, if you just Google that.
0: Oh, yeah. What be are you careful. probably
1: right? Why should we be careful? What are you probably going to find if you start Googling that? And should you go down that path of what the top hits are when you Google that?
0: Um, I think that if you are well versed in the scriptures, uh, then you can go down that rabbit hole, because I do think like today I watched two videos by Richard Rohr um, on contemplation I can't say the word, but. Contemplative. Yes, contemplative. I keep wanting to say contemplative, but it's contemplative prayer, who he has a whole center on, you know, that word. And uh, (laughs) so, anyway, what I'm trying to say is that it has become a very new age kind of thing, very mystical.
1: So is Richard Moore someone that we want to listen to?
0: Um, no, I would say no. Okay. I personally, um, because I don't think it's a secret on here, I am a Christian um, that subscribes to that the Bible is true, um, and he does not. I, I actually would go as far as to say, and, and this can rub people the wrong way, I wish we could disagree on topics without people canceling each other,
1: yes, right?
0: Um, so if you love Richard Ward, that's great. Let's sit down. Let's talk about it. Tell me what you love about him, and I'll yes. tell you things that I saw that he said that I thought was truth. Um, but for the most part, I would I would lend to say that he's a false teacher. Mm. Um, and, but yet he
1: has a whole place oh, on contemplative prayer.
0: Oh, and millions of followers, people who pay to go. So this idea of um, contemplative prayer is you have to be trained on it.
1: You Mm -hmm. have to
0: be educated how to do it. And basically, um, it is an altered—it's described as kind of like an altered state of consciousness, you Mm -hmm. know? Yeah. And— Richard War specifically. Now there are tons of them beside Richard War, but um, he talks about it as um, a small self and a great self, mm. and you kind of go from one to the other, and you want to be at the great self. Um, other people will call that your false self and your true self. So you've mm-hmm. probably heard those kinds of things, but you kind of leave one and go to the. It, it kind of sounds like a self hypnosis type yeah. of thing um anyway I mean you can you can read about it um and there is a place for being silent with God and but this is all about not speaking at all and um you know that's not what we're taught in scripture when right. when the disciples asked Jesus teach us how to pray it was with words yes right and again we talk about the meditate that actually translates not to, like, stillness and quiet. It's talking about uttering and pondering and, and things like that. Um, but also I found this interesting. Um, the, the article, I wanted to say, the article is very interesting. It's by Marcia Montenegro, and we will, I will link this article in the show notes if you want to read more about um, this New Age um, contemplative prayer because it is not scriptural. That's the bottom line. She is someone who. She used to be in this New Age mysticism uh, realm and she used to operate in these places. And since she has come to Christianity and, um, you know, learned truth, biblical truth, and now has a biblical worldview. And her her ministry is to teach truth in opposition to the New Age Mm. mysticism. Um, but anyway, a great article all about this. Um, but also, a, I think that a one of, when I watched Richard Ward's videos today, and again, it's not just him. It's just the one I happened to watch today. And this is very scriptural. You can go read about false teachers, you yeah. know? Oh, yeah. There are some things that he said that I completely agreed with. When he he talks about God, he talks about having an intimate relationship with God and all of these things, Um, but that's what Scripture says a false teacher will do. Wolves in sheep's clothing. If I came out— as Suzanne Kuba, and wanted to have people come to me to pay, to come, and I can teach you this special kind of prayer and just teach you all of this stuff. I'm not going to say, hey, I don't—and I'm trying to appeal to a Christian group, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be like, well, I don't really believe in, in Jesus. I don't believe that Jesus took the, my place on the cross, mm-hmm. you know, for my sins. I believe that the Bible's not really real. I'm not going to say those things outright. Um, I think He does now. Mm-hmm. now that he has developed his following yeah exactly but anyway that's kind of a side note but there is a verse and they will use verses um mm-hmm. uh, one of the verses that i think gets pulled out a lot is the meditate yeah. which again we have to know right the the translation of those words um and be still and know yes be still and know psalm 46:10 we they be still and know is just the idea of stilling your mind so that you can reach this altered state of consciousness and have nothing you know in, but that verse is actually talking about stop fighting yeah stop striving against me
1: and what's the rest of that verse it's not just be still and know be still and know that I am God
0: right meaning God has got this yes um so it really doesn't have anything to do in my mind with prayer no. The verse, but they use it a lot for prayer, so anyway, I do think I could we could talk on and on about this, and I do find it very interesting, but I think again, it just reiterates the purpose of what we are trying to do here is to talk about. Um, biblical literacy and why yeah. we can't cherry-pick verses like we talked about in the beginning, why we can't just see what I say about Scripture, even what I say. Go see what I say about John 14 and John 15 and double-check that. Make sure I did my research correctly. Make sure yeah. I'm understanding it correctly um, because you can't know. If I don't know Scripture, then I can't recognize someone like Richard Rohr who is teaching it so incorrectly.
1: Yeah, that that's great.
0: Now, if he didn't subscribe to be a Christian— and have a Christian view and like all of these things, then fine. That's that's right. great. I then mean, we then Christians wouldn't go seeking him as a resource, but because he does say, "Oh yeah, I'm a I'm well," a Christian. and he says that all roads lead to God. Yeah, you know that Jesus isn't the way, and 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 so I recognize that that he's different than I am. But my goal in this is to lead the people who come to us to truth, and yes. I think that that is only found in Scripture.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I think you did a really good job of helping us understand when we see the word contemplative prayer, that yes, it is a good thing, but be careful the resources that you read about or seek out because it's not an altered state. We're not trying to achieve this um, Zen state of higher self and higher Mm -hmm. being and higher power in contemplative prayer, my understanding is I am in the presence of my father and I am savoring that time with him. And I am letting a small, still voice of God just speak to my heart. And that may come through listening to worship music. Mm -hmm. That may come through a divina Mm -hmm. where I take um, scripture, and I read it, and I read it in a prayerful way, which is part of what we're going to talk about in our savor moment yeah. um, today.
0: Well, I even think we see Jesus often retreat, yes. right, to a quiet place, yes. you know, out, out from the people. Um, and I think if our goal was to reach an altered state of consciousness, then the Bible would certainly say Jesus reached his truest. mind his truest self and i think that's just um not true so i guess the point too is just to be careful when you go look up stuff like that to know that that is a widely accepted definition of um contemplative prayer um that it was does it was not the origin of contemplative prayer
1: yeah but we are to pray we are to be people who pray as a matter of fact especially because we are about to enter into um Holy Week, I love, I want to read, um, I think about Jesus cleaning out the temple. Um, So right the week before Jesus was crucified, during that time, he goes in to the temple and he throws over the tables. And Mm -hmm. we always think about that. And you know what he says to him? He says, This is a house of prayer, and you've made it a den of robbers. And Mm -hmm. I think that there are false teachers who are trying to rob. They're trying to pretend like they have the things of God, and they sound right, Mm -hmm. but they're robbing from us the Mm -hmm. joy of prayer. And when Jesus is saying that, when he says this is a house of prayer, he's actually quoting Isaiah, um, Isaiah 56, um, 6 and 7, Isaiah 56, 6 and 7 says, And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servant, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. That is what Jesus is alluding to when he says this is a house of prayer, entering to the holy mountain, entering into the holy of holies with God himself, which we know Jesus made a way for us because we know that when Jesus was crucified, at the moment that he said, I give up my life, there was a great earthquake and a darkness and the curtain, the veil was torn in half because we can now enter into the Holy of Holies, because Jesus Christ, blood on the cross, atoned for my sin. It covered my sin and has made a way for me to enter into that Holy of Holies. And there is joy in the house of the Lord, which Mm. is a house of prayer. I love that. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. So our savor moment is, um, you know, this week I've been studying and reading a lot out of the gospel of John. And I think, Suzanne, you've been spending some time in the gospel Mm -hmm. of John as well. Um, John chapter 17 is known as the high priestly prayer. And um, John chapter 17 is a beautiful, beautiful chapter where Jesus, the night that he is betrayed, is praying and his disciples are there with him. And John records this prayer. And I, I just think it is so beautiful. Um, and as Jesus spends this entire time praying to his father, he's telling his father that he has said the words that his father's given him, that he's glorified his father. He's looking up to heaven. And then I love John 17, 20 says, I do not ask for these only, talking about I'm not asking um, God, Father, for you to give me just these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Um, and I think I today believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior because of the word that the that. John wrote in his gospel. And Jesus, I believe, was looking forward to all of us who will be reading this word. And so for our savor moment, um, we're asking you to spend some time reading John chapter 17. Maybe get a cup of coffee or um, your favorite drink or whatever and sit down and read that with your heart towards God and allow God to speak to you in Mm -hmm. your savor moment. So... Mm -hmm. And if I was doing it, I'll just tell you what my favorite drink is right now, okay? Okay. So if I was doing this during my savor moment, I would go get me a bottle of ginger beer. There's a specific kind. I'll link it in the show notes. (laughs) Actually, there's two ginger beers. And she's tried them all. Yes, I have. I have, I have. (laughs) Um, There's two ginger beers that I'm loving right now. They're extra spicy ginger beer. Um, I'll link them in the show notes for you guys. But I take my ginger beer and it does not have any alcohol in it. And I get a little tincture of this hot oil, this habanero, and I put about five or six drops of it in there. And it is the best thing in the whole world. Now, the tincture, I cannot link in the show notes because it's always given to me as a gift because someone my husband works with makes it, <laughs> and I am highly
0: addicted to it. <laughs> so. so ask Stacy; She'll give you five to six drops for yes, one. Yeah, for uh, one. She's very stingy with it. Just kidding. I don't even, I don't yeah. like that. I
1: test. will tell yeah. you that the oil, the tincture that I put in it is a hundred proof, I think. So I think there's some alcohol in it, but I mean,
0: I'm literally putting- It's five to six drops. Yeah, I it's think drops. Right. So,
1: so yeah. I think it's okay. But my husband told me I might have a problem because he's pretty <laughs> sure I'm addicted to it. But it is, that's my go-to drink right now. Uh-huh. Um, sometimes I would put in like uh, pineapple juice, but then that makes it too sweet for me. So the spicier, my lips are burning, back of my throat's hot. Yeah. Uh, it's good. That's my go-to. Yeah. What's your, what would your drink be if you were going to do this savor moment, which we will. We'll do our oh. savor moment. and um,
0: Vodka soda. No, um, I really don't drink a lot other than coffee and water. So I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of boring.
1: If you went to Starbucks right now, what would you order?
0: An Americano, which is just espresso and water.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And speaking of that, their Vente ice water is like the best ice water in the world. Yeah.
0: You and Sarah say that. I don't, I don't know. It tastes like water to me. Oh
1: no, it's good water. It's good. It's good. He is the living water. So we hope that you have enjoyed this um, part two of Living on a Prayer episode, and we just want you to know how much we love you, and we are praying that you will taste and see the goodness of God as you savor those moments with your Father.
0: Thank you for being with us today here at Savor. This podcast is a ministry of Cross Church. For information about SOAR, Women's Ministry, or Cross Church, please visit crossstonechurch.com or download the Cross app. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please remember to like, subscribe, or leave a review. This helps people find us.